Welcome to the State of the Markets podcast. I'm Paul Rodriguez of ThinkTrading.com. I'm Tim Price of PriceValuePartners.com. And our very special guest is Jasmine Bertels of MoneyMagpie.com. This episode is sponsored by the Capital Employed podcast. The Capital Employed podcast speaks to renowned equity investors about their favourite stocks. Check them out at CapitalEmployed.fm. That's CapitalEmployed.fm. Jasmine Bertels, welcome to the show. Um, as we kick off, um, would you like to say a bit about your, your backstory, about who you are and, and, and what you've done? Oh, golly, you know, it's it's so all over the place. I, I have to try and think of a way of putting it into it. You know, it's, it's OK, we've, we've got a spare couple of days. I, oh, and you can, you? Oh. you can work backwards as well. So you're at, you're at Money Magpie at the moment. Yes, that's right. So I run moneymagpie.com. I set it up about 10 years ago. It's um, it's a money-making site, particularly. We we have stuff about money saving, but primarily how to make money, how to make money on the site, how to invest. And I set that up um, really because I've been doing quite a few books about money and, you know, things change so fast. Um, so I thought, no, a website would be quicker, not realizing just how much actual work it takes to <laughs> run a, a website. I know now. Oh, golly, I know now. So I got into um, being a money journalist um, end of the 90s when I got called by the BBC um, asking me if I wanted to go and work in the business unit. They said, you know, this is so so BBC. And said, have you got any background in business? I went, no. And they said, fine, not a problem. Um, <laughs> well, neither does anybody in the BBC, to be fair. So <laughs> Exactly. This is the wonderful BBC way. Before that, um, and, and so, you know, that, that's really what got me into money, to be honest, because I, I was I was a journalist and a comedian before that and, and an actress. I've done... I, bit of everything. I've never had an actual job. Nasty things job. Don't like them. I've always worked for myself. And, and one of the things about working for yourself means that you can do what, well, up to a point, you know, if you can make a bit of money out of it, what you like. So um, the only I, problem I, I find with working for yourself is the constant sexual harassment. Well, that push, here all night. I can, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough crowd. I can see it's a tough yeah, crowd already. <laughs> The old ones are the good ones, as I always tell you, Tim. You know, um, and uh, yeah, so I did did a whole mixture of stuff. But but when I went to the beef, I at, at the time I was actually in debt, uh, about ten grand in debt, because I. You know, nobody ever taught me how to how to run money, and I was, you know, I was at the BBC in the business unit, and I was doing stuff, particularly on personal finance, and I was reading this stuff about managing your money, and I thought, this stuff's not hard. It's it's just basically common sense. I mean, well, how obviously how come I'm in debt? Because I've had a decent education, and and yet there I am in debt, and I thought, well. Just on that point, sorry to cut in. Would you just like to expand on that because you you have some 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 fairly um, impressive credentials in terms of educational background? Um, well, yeah, I was a, I, I got a scholarship to Cambridge um, to read English, which you know teaches you how to write, I suppose, and how to how to criticise other people. Um, but, um... <laughs> I would say how to, how to appreciate the the English canon through the through the ages, but no. So- criticizing other people yes no absolutely um, <laughs> did you see absolutely nothing about numbers or you know anything particularly practical but um, and hence hence me um thinking- neither neither a borrower nor a lender be polonius 
Hamlet, you see? Uh, yes, absolutely. Yes, spend more than you earn. Misery, that's... Um, yeah. Mr. McCorber, Pigweed Papers. <laughs> absolutely, thank you. Um, and so, yes, no, you're quite right. There's a lot. Mark Twain, he had a lot to say, true. Um, Never invest in mining companies. It's, it's, it's a hole in the ground with a liar at the top of it. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that Mark Twain? I know that one. I think so. Or is it Tim Price? Price value <laughs> well, no, no, no. It's Mark Twain, definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, I was at the Beeb thinking to myself, this isn't hard. And I got this sort of light bulb moment. I thought, gosh, you know, this money thing is because nobody taught me. Nobody. It never occurred to anybody. I mean, my parents didn't know very much about money, to be fair. And I never got any, any education about it at all anyway. And I thought, well, you know, if I'm having problems... Goodness knows what anybody else. But there's a serious point here, isn't there? Which is the school, the school, the educational system is woefully deficient in yeah. in teaching anybody about the the practicalities of finance. Absolutely, and and it is a very British thing. Well, I say very British. They don't do it in America. There are, there are a lot of countries where they don't do it, but in countries where they do, like for example, I was speaking to somebody who's who'd been brought up um, uh, typically, of course, one of the one of the Scandinavian countries. Can't think what Sweden, Finland, or whatever. And and she'd been taught to budget at school. She'd been taught about mortgages. You know, all that kind of stuff. That's the sort of thing that we should have at schools. In theory, they're teaching it now, but in practice, they're not. Because I mean, teachers goodness sake you know they're, they're some of the worst my mum mm. was a teacher I know <laughs> and so you know it sort of gets just pushed to the side so so we're still producing teenagers students with no concept of compound interest doesn't matter that you've learned in maths nobody listens to that you know I certainly didn't um and no un- understanding of, of how credit cards work really not really mortgages pensions any of that and we're supposed to to manage it ourselves. I was at a I was at a fin twit a sort of financial twitter gathering last week at the mm. at a pub in Cornhill and one of the guys there I won't name him to to, to spare his blushes, um, but just to keep his anonymity. But he was saying that if you have a um, a, a normal coin, uh, you know, a regular copper coin or pan coin or whatever, yeah. you, you have heads heads or tails. What what are the odds that it, it comes up heads twice? That one. Oh, that one. It's now, isn't it? Something like sort of. Uh, is that two? Because it's not 50-50. It's- well, it, it, it's, let's assume it's an honest coin. So it's, it's going to be heads is, 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 uh, is the probability is a half and tails is a half. It's 0.25, so what, isn't the it? probability that you get, you get two, two heads in a row. Oh, golly. Do you know, I can't remember that. Well, yeah, I, do, I, I, do remember- I think the answer, because I gave it as, as a quarter, in other words, one in four, yeah. I, it's a half times a half. And the yeah. point that, that Stuart Button, oops, Oh, said hello. at this gathering was basically something like 80% of MPs don't know the answer to that question. Yes. Bloody hell. Now, and the point, uh, so whether it's 80 or 70 or 60 or, or 90 isn't really the issue. It's, it's a lot. And the problem with that is these are people who are literally controlling billions, tens of billions, hundreds of billions of pounds of other people's money, taxpayers' money, our money, and they haven't got a bloody clue about anything. This is a re- this is a really deep concern. That's also mm-hmm. a concern with, um, dare I say, it, in journalism, where stories are given credit, and there was that whole thing about the chocolate makes you lose weight story, oh, that, yeah. which yeah, was done. I've fallen prey to that. I've fallen prey to that story. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was uh, what is statistically significant. Exactly. And, 
And it's yeah. like people don't understand that that significant and statistically significant are two very different things. Mm -hmm. And a good story, you can't blame the press for picking up on Absolutely. what could be a good story because that's what sells, right? But it also Absolutely. it's mm -hmm. it just passes on misinformation, which is a, a very big problem, which is, is, something, really is something we may come on to in terms of like the, the state of the media at the moment. But but so 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 going back to to mm. yourself, you, you were talking about your mm. education and then um, and how you were learning about decided to learn about money. So, yeah. So continue from there, because I think we we, we cut in. <laughs> right, yes. So yes. Yeah, so after after graduating, I just I, I just decided I would just be freelance, which was which was I now realise a completely mad idea. But there you go. I, I managed to live on very little, and yeah, did a mixture of um, teaching myself a bit of um, radio and and um, writing. Got myself in there. Did some. How did you do that? Time, How did you teach yourself that? That's that's like because it's a real skill. I guess it is. It's funny, isn't it? Because um, I, the, the the article writing that that um, that kind of of that kind of came sort of came naturally. I don't know quite why, but that did it, with radio. I did um, some evening classes in radio, and um, and I also did some courses in law um, and news writing, that type of thing. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I was doing some stand-up because I had various friends at, at university who'd, who'd gone into stand-up. So I, I knew how to you know, go and do open mic slots and that sort of thing. So I was doing a whole mixture of, of um, bits of radio, bits of um, writing, t newspapers and magazines um, and stand up and then I got into the corporate circuit because stand up pays you about a tenner every now and then if you're lucky um certainly at that stage and I don't think it's improved measurably since sadly <laughs> I don't think it has absolutely so I thought you know follow the money so I ended up doing um I used to do this this sort of uh, imposter act as it was called um I would turn up at corporate events maybe it was a dinner or you know some annual conference or something um incognito so i i would go quite often as the new pr girly hello um <laughs> I, I would be american head of sales and marketing new person hi it's wonderful to be here um I've been oh, oh my goodness we got we got across we got across line there or was that you <laughs> yes and i've been french i've been so french under secretary there's another one there's another one <laughs> that's fantastic what, what other ones oh, can yeah, you do come on you've got to go through um, your repertoire this is too could much he, could you do scandinavian yeah it was swedish i was uh, the, the head of uh, emir for abm uh, <laughs> excellent how about australian uh, oh yeah i was never australian but i could I, <laughs> I could do it if I had to. That's pretty good. That's really good. Straight into it. Fantastic. Fantastic. So I would turn up. And say, yeah, somebody they'd they'd kind of expect, you know. And I talk to everybody before the dinner. And I you could you could run a multinational this way. I'd like to complain to the manager. I'm so sorry, the manager's not here. Hold on a second. I'll see who see who is available. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. What you want? What you want? No, we're customer service. Go away. Um, yes. No, 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 Mrs. Oh, no, don't titter. <laughs> yes, like, hello. Hello. <laughs> I can't hear you. Oh, fantastic. Um, that's brilliant. brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> I used to do voiceovers as well. Um, ah, and, um, right. It's all making yeah, sense. So I, 
so I would turn up. This this could yet become a series. We need we need to we need to bottle this. Yes. Oh, I'll just do lots of voices for you. And so yeah, I would I would give a speech which would start off with the kind of stuff you'd expect, and then it would get more and more mad, and it would usually end up with some sort of vehicle where I could just make jokes about the the executive team, which tended to be men. It would be hard mm. because it's harder to make jokes about women actually still Ooh, kind of it's, that's, that's quite a sexist comment though isn't it you should really be able to make you're racist you should be able to shouldn't you you should be mm. able to but maybe maybe it's better now but not then so i would do something like um i would say um so um you know it's, it's very exciting to be here you know the pr girly or something like that i'd say um oh, it's great to be here but you know i really think that um it, what we're going to do is is we need to sex up the image of uh, price value partners so what we're going to do <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to create the year 2021 price value partners stud muffins <laughs> <laughs> tim's on every month exactly <laughs> so mr january will be tim price you know, that kind of thing <laughs> this this to me sounds like a fantastic idea i don't know why anyone hasn't done it before well, do you know, you know, you know, remember um, Barclays stockbrokers when that existed. I did one for them, and um, and there was a lovely guy, a uh, lovely American guy. I can't think of his name, and and he... his name was probably Stud Muffin. <laughs> probably and he loved the idea and you know at the oh my end god of it, i'd say thank you very much my name's jasmine bertles i'm a comedian good night uh, but you know every now and then there'd be somebody who'd come up and say so um so when are when, you when do we do it no 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 and he was he was like oh you're kidding you're kidding we're not doing that that was such a good idea <gasps> yeah so that was what, what i was doing and then um yeah i got into the money thing and then i was doing Doing, I, I, I got into doing much more TV. I was doing um, things like, uh, oh God, I can't even read the Money Channel, various channels that didn't, you know, that sort of fell apart. And um, and then I was, um, I, I presented Homes Under the Hammer for a bit and um, oh, a few brilliant. other TV series. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, I was, and I was writing books. I've written 38 books now, um, mostly joke books, actually. But um, at one point. So to do, to do with finance then, basically? Yes, basically. <laughs> My bestseller is is about, you know, it's about sort of three inches wide, three inches high. It's called The Little Book of Abuse. And it's got the finger on the front. That's oh, my fantastic. absolute bestseller. I could see why like that would be bestseller. Yeah, yes, brilliant. exactly. I like to think that's what I got my degree for, you know. And then um, after a while, I got sort of got sensible and started writing um, proper books, as I say. But, like, you know, things were moving so fast and people were setting up websites. I thought, oh, set up a website. How hard can that be? <laughs> I'm fascinated oh, about the, the stand-up because, like, the idea of doing that, I have to say, it would frighten the life out of me. I think I might give it a go if I was perhaps drunk, but what, what was that like doing that for the first time? Well, yeah, it's a, it, it is a slightly weird, weird sensation. The first time it wasn't so bad because, to be fair, whoever introduced me said, now it's her first time, so be nice. So they were. They basically stared at me mm. <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> they didn't throw anything. No, no, they didn't. But, you know, the thing is, I, I've, I have, as they say, stormed and I have many times died and they don't call it dying for nothing. It is like a sort of an out of body experience. Mm. Um, but when you storm, you are the empress of the universe. It's, mm. It is a fantastic feeling. It must be feeling. Quite, quite a thrill. It really is. It really, really is. And, and so, you know, there, there is that. It's like a sort of a drug thing, I think. I think that's why a lot of comedians keep, they can't, 
can't not have the laughter. They've got to have mm. it's power. It's it, it's approval. It, it's love. It's you know all of that sort of all, all mixed into one. I have a feeling that you mentioned something vaguely to do with fingers earlier, and whether or not you did, I'm determined to crowbar this in because it's it's topic is topical and grotesquely inappropriate. So we're in the process at Price Value Partners of, of having a, a team night out, and we were going to go bowling. And I happened to see a, an ad that someone put on Twitter yesterday, and it's it must be from America, and it says this bowling alley ad better chill. And it's, it's it's a photo of two of a couple, and they're both sort of canoodling, and they're both they're both looking happy, and the lady is looking increasingly happy. And the, the 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 text goes, the copy goes, it's amazing what you can do with two fingers and a thumb. <laughs> that's not you're joking i'm not I, I kid you i kid you not it's it's from it's from a it's from a bowling alley in the states okay so okay. anyway so that, that's the one that will get us pulled off uh youtube paul so i i, I retreat i retreat to minimum safe distance now but well, with regard to the stand-up though it does take a mm. long time to, to to hone those skills doesn't it because oh it does because I remember really Joe Rogan talking about being early early on in his career, like two years into stand-up. And also I remember a very good friend of mine who saw Eddie Izzard live when mm. it was very early days and he was like in a mm. pub with like three, Terrible. three people. And, yeah. and it's it's yeah. like not not good. It's like it takes yeah. years to, and years to get the it timing really right and, and get the mm. jokes right and and everything else. It's a real it's a, a real labor of love, I guess, but there's great rewards at the end. Well, that's the thing. It, it is. It, oh, golly, this. You know, literally, we could we could talk for days about the the whole sort of stand up arena and history and philosophy and all of that about it because there, there is a lot to say. Um, I, I I kind of look on it as well. It's something I always wanted to do. I've always loved comedians. Still do. Love comedy. Love everything genuinely funny i love clever comedy um there's not a lot of it about it at the moment so it's things like benny hill then yeah oh 100 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> percent. mrs brown's boys yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but um it, it it is certainly one of those things where once you've done it if you if you've even partially cracked it, it it's um it, it, it teaches you so much. Um, I mean, at one point, I did do some actual acting, darling. Um, I, I was in um, a, a touring production of Don't Dress for Dinner, which is one of those drop your trousers farces, you know. And the other actors, just before the first night, they were all so nervous. And I was looking at them, what are, what are you nervous about? You're, you're doing a script that's a, it's, it's a, a French farce. It's been around for decades and decades people have paid to come in they're sitting down they're not going to throw something at you there are six of you on the stage you know, do you have any idea <laughs> what what it's like being a stand-up with stand-up you have no idea you know what you're we're doing it all without we're doing it all without a safety net really aren't you because you're completely on your own Yes, it's your material. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You can do the same material in one place and absolutely storm, and the other place they just stare at you or start talking to each other. I hate that when they start talking to each other. That's the worst. Um, and and also, you know, they might be a bit drunk. You know, and quite often you'd be a place where they either haven't paid or they've paid minimal amount to come in, so they don't care. You know, um, it is uh, without a safety net, but you do you learn a lot. You learn. Mm. Um, about how to, up to a point, how to control a crowd. I mean, some crowds you can't really control, but mostly you can. Um, you you learn about timing. You, you learn heckling. confidence. Yeah, heckling as well. But you get what, what's your technique for that? 
Well, to be honest, and I think it's because I'm a female, I didn't get that much heckling. However, my book, the one that I mentioned before, you know, Little Book of Abuse. Which we will have links to in the podcast notes. <laughs> Definitely. Um, it, it, it had, half of it is heckle put downs, you know, things like, yeah, first drink gets you like that, doesn't it? Or, um, <laughs> I've not heard that one, that's good. <laughs> no. Yeah, see, Did your parents have any children that lived? Yes, that kind of thing, yes. <laughs> what was your second one, Jasmine? Um, see what happens when cousins marry. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, I'm buying it, I'm buying it, I want it. Yeah. That's, that's mine. So it is, I mean, I've done loads of live TV, loads of it, and so long as I know what I'm saying, doesn't bother me in the slightest. I and, heard, and I think that's because of, of stand-up. I heard Joe Rogan says that you you walk away from the heckler and move move over to the other side so you, you kind of starve them of oxygen mm. oh that's good yeah i thought that was quite an interesting technique mm. not that mm. i'm ever going to do it but i just thought yeah that's 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 quite clever mm, absolutely well it's, it is an interesting one I, and um again once you can get that get, then then that that means that you can cope with all sorts of other situations. I think, you know, most MPs ought to have some some lessons and some experience in in stand up. I mean, I say lessons. You can, you can actually do courses, and I know a few people who who run them. But ultimately, you know, you, you there's nothing to replace actually doing it and actually going through the sheer hell of facing an uh, an audience. What was what was your very what was your very first stand up like? Was that, I imagine it was nerve wracking. It was. It was. It was slightly weird. You know, they were pretty kind, but quite si- fairly silent. You know, there was a few titters here and there, um, but mostly they stared at me. Um, and <laughs> they may not have seen a female before, to be fair, especially if it was Cambridge. Possible. Yeah, <laughs> that is possible. And then um, I, I remember there was one. Oh God, I can think of a, a few where where I just died horribly, and and when you. But that that must be that must be so character building though. If you've survived that, you must be able to survive anything. Well, exactly. Yeah. No, seriously. And and there was one time when I absolutely you know died a horrible death on stage, and I called my friend Della afterwards, and I said, Della, I'm no good. I'll just use this. And she said, Jasmine, everybody fails. Everybody fails. It's the ones who pick themselves up, dust themselves down, mm. going. They're yeah. the ones who succeed, and that was, mm. I've always remembered that. And yeah. she's totally right, you know. And and yeah, I mean, I don't know. Six months, twelve months later, I absolutely stormed at a, oh, you know, I, for some reason, straight women do really well with gay audiences. Gay men, gay men love straight straight female comedians. And I was at what place called Screamers, um, in in Soho, and absolutely stormed. They loved it. And I thought, oh, yeah, I'm empress of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's a thing about comedy as well that it's it's very personal, isn't it? To to certain people, like some people find things funny and they don't necessarily laugh out loud, and then you're not getting the the affirmation during the show, and and so and and people find things certain things like totally off limits that other people find absolutely hilarious. So mm. night to night, you're gonna it's gonna vary anyway, and it is yeah. Sorry, yeah, and I was just thinking, you know, as you're talking, this is this is one of the big problems of corporates because, you know, I'm sure you've been at corporates where you've had some big name um, speaking, and they just died because it just so happened that although they they've got a huge following themselves, not many of that following happened to be in that corporate mm. audience. 
they they all like some other comedian. I mean, again, I remember doing. Um, I, I did um, a, a lovely one for what was then the um, Electricity Producers Association. It doesn't exist. It's something different now. But um, I was texting. I was having a ball. I was having an absolute ball. Um, and um, Dixie Deville is in the house. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll have to get her opinion on your on your on your accent, which is fantastic by my ears. But oh, well, it was great. And afterwards, they said. We had Jimmy Carr last year. He was rubbish. I thought, yes, I did. Blah, 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 Jimmy Carr. But the thing is, I know that you know Jimmy at, at other events. Jimmy Carr will absolutely storm because Jimmy Carr is Jimmy Carr. But it yeah. just so happened, I think that the the makeup of that particular corporate audience was was not a, a Jimmy Carr fan. I suppose you can never quite tell. There's always a bit of sort of magic that that makes each individual situation unique. There's there's one there's one that I remember. Uh, there's a thing called um, the Private Asset Managers Awards, the PAM Awards, and uh, to my to my awareness, it's it's probably the most credible awards um, program for private client wealth management type firms. Mm-hmm. And so I've been involved in it in the past, in the dim and distant past. And the, the, what I think perhaps the funniest, well, well, put it this way, the one I can remember is when they had Joanna Lumley you know being the 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 hostess giving giving out the prizes so she'll she'll be reading out this thing saying and now the winner for the absolute return volatility adjusted and and she goes into this like extended monologue about something she clearly doesn't know or care about and the audience is just really getting into it they go yay yay more more so you you just never know when it's going to kick off and when chairs might get thrown no, you you really don't. And I used to find this because uh, because with with the companies that I would do, um, I I didn't know any of them at all. And what I would do beforehand, I would ask them um, to give me the names of the executive team. I'd I'd, I'd ask about sort of ten or twelve at least I could um, uh, have a go at. And and I'd need information about them. So it's like you know who's like a, a like a best like a best man speech or something like that type of thing. Yes, exactly. So that I could I could make jokes. And what I would find on the night itself, the 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 amount of laughter wasn't just about the jokes. It was about how those people were viewed. And people who were not liked tended not to get much of a laugh. Mm. Um, but people who were liked, respected, um, you know, they might think they're a bit, bit of a bit of a laugh but you know they, they still respect them the, those ones would get a big laugh so that's stuff that i have no idea about before i go there you know i i've got the information but i don't know what they really in their hearts feel about that person so yeah there's, there's, that's a, an interesting one as well did you ever in, introduce yourself as a comedian and if so do people say oh make me laugh then and would you yes, like, roll your eyes do. and go so oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's like, so I never if I'm did. a plumber, you wouldn't say come round and fix my you know, my plumbing, would you? So exactly. it's like but people expect you to make them laugh. <laughs> yes, mind you, I think it's worse for hairdressers. Oh, and doctors, doctors apparently. Oh yeah. Oh, I told you about my arms. Like, oh, yes. great. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think about this rash down the back of my neck? Yes, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I just undo my my, my... <laughs> yeah, well that's the difference yeah these matter. warts what do you reckon to them you know <laughs> oh god help <laughs> it's no holds barred today <laughs> so moving swiftly on moving swiftly on yeah yeah so on the site uh, I was struck by uh, what I think um, is going to be if it's not already one of your more popular uh features it's it's an interview 
with Jennifer Arcuri. It was published on July 30th. Do you want to sort of summarise that? Yes, and, and, and it is by far um, the, the most popular article um, at the moment. It, it, there are two big articles trending on, on the site at the moment. There's Jennifer Arcuri one and an article I wrote on what you can do if your employer insists you get vaccinated and you don't want to, um, which is something that mainstream media is not even touching. Mm. And they're not, they're not touching Jennifer Arcuri either. I mean, it, you know, we are living in very, very weird times where – Obvious, obvious, big stories, huge, huge things that are happening that should be talked about are just completely silenced. Um, so what happened? I'm, I'm actually on a WhatsApp group with um, a bunch of disaffected journalists, essentially. I mean, they're all mainstream media journalists who are horrified at what's, what's happening with are our they media. Really? Now, that yeah, is fascinating. Yeah. That's interesting well, to know that they are. Lot. Yeah. There, are, there are growing numbers and there, there are some, uh, would you believe, the BBC who, who have sort of want to join but are, are worried. You know, they are afraid. You know, it's like Stalinist Russia that where we are and certainly BBC at the moment. Um, and I, I say this with sadness because I've worked for the BBC in different forms, all of what I laughingly call my career. Um, and, you know, I was on a couple of programmes this morning. I, I do I do all sorts of stuff. But they, you know, there are there are. Ah, yes, goodness knows. Uh, there's all sorts of things I could um, uh, surmise that's happening there. But um, there are there are BBC journalists that know that this is wrong, but they are very afraid for their job. They don't want to be seen to be fraternising with the life. So how, how, how did the Okuri piece arise? Well, there's there's uh, one guy on the uh, on the WhatsApp group who works for a, um, a mainstream, one of, one of the um, national newspapers, and he said, I I can do an interview with Jennifer Arcuri, but I can't sell it. And I said, what? Mm. Mm. <laughs> Actually, I'll, I'll have it. And um, so so he did it. He sent it to me and he said, um, she's going to be on GB News on Thursday night. I said, great, I'll publish it now. Um, and it immediately got picked up. People were immediately interested. And her interview, I think, on GB News was really, really interesting. What, what she didn't say, I think, was particularly interesting. But in her article and in the, the um, interview that she did on GB News, she's, she's saying um, quite a lot of the things that I'm thinking, um, which is that there, there, there is some sort of a plan behind this madness that um, – the, there, is, there is method. There is method behind the madness. Yeah, there is method behind the madness. That the the COVID stuff has, has been a smokescreen, and um, there there is a concerted attempt to devalue currency, fiat currency, um, and uh, you know basically close down small businesses, big up big businesses, um, and. Uh, she's she's saying that there's definitely going to be national digital currency. I'm very against. I love I love crypto. I'm a big fan of crypto. Mm-hmm. I'm, I invest in crypto. I'm very against a national digital currency. Um, and you know these are the things that she was talking about. That there's there's a whole lot of dodgy stuff going on um, behind the scenes, which I think you know many of us have suspected from the start. Um, and that you know, suppose libertarians like Boris Johnson needs to needs to man up. He needs to grow some and actually stand up for for what he knows is right, rather than just being led along by the nose by what seem to be CCP um, interlopers in in our own um, our, our own parliament. I, I would just say the CCP or a phrase that. Um 
I'm just trying to think of the the name. Catherine Austin Fitz calls them uh, Mister Global, and I would call them Dav, da, Dav Davos Man. Mm, mm. For people who yeah, may not have heard of Jennifer Akiri, could you tell us a bit about her and and why she's an authority? Yeah, she's. Uh, <laughs> um, yes, well, she's a, an interesting one. Um, she was um, one of um, Boris's uh, uh, mistresses. I think it was between was it twenty twelve and twenty sixteen or something. You know, good, good long stint she had. <laughs> Um, he was married at the time, of course. You know, surprise, surprise. Had a, a mistress, but she, she actually is. She she runs something called Hacker House. She's um, a crypto and fintech um, expert, if you like. She's got um, you know a business very much in that sphere. Um, she she is not stupid. She knows um, a lot about finance, and she understands a lot about politics as well. And she had. Um, the ear and various other parts of uh, of, of our leader um, for quite a few years, as you can tell, and was absolutely plugged into our political system while she was there. And in the interview she did on um, GB News, she she said she was at an event um, with you know a lot of uh, Tory party members there, and and somebody said, "Throw a knife and you'll hit a CCP member," which she didn't take any notice of at the time, but. Now it's um, coming back to her quite quite vividly. So, with regard to the <clears throat> digital currencies, um, it's something we've talked about on this podcast for quite some time. It seemed like a a kind of natural progression that the central banks would decide to create their own, just on the basis of we didn't have the technology at one point, you know, post sort of twenty ten, and then the problem was solved, as many things are with technology, and now. It's appeared in the the kind of you know the decentralized version of of uh, cryptocurrencies, which obviously there are many flavors of. Um, it, it seems like a natural progression that the central banks would do this for for many different reasons that aren't necessarily nefarious. Could it be that they have just seized upon this um, the pandemic as an opportunity to bring it in? It quicker that something they were going to bring in anyway, or do you think that this was planned long ago? Oh yeah, I think that the the uh, the pandemic has um, brought things brought a lot of of moves um, forward. Uh, it's made a lot of things happen quicker. Um, I think there were some things that were either planned or or mooted at least um, that have suddenly um, come good, as it were. Um, and and you're right. You know there are there are a lot of very good reasons for for having a national digital currency. The, the prime one that's um, always pushed um, for getting rid of cash and having a digital currency is the grey market. Um, you know the the billions of pounds, billions of dollars that are lost every year in. Um, under the table payments and of course they always say of course criminals um, love cash etc um perfectly true and also um there are a lot of um uh, fintech entrepreneurs I've, I've talked to who are like why don't you like national digital currencies it's marvelous for payments you know it's going to make um foreign payments so much easier so much cheaper it's going to make they're it not easier that expensive or hard at the moment blah, blah, blah. are they 
they're not they're not they're a bit it's a bit of a fuss you know um there is sending money abroad getting it you there, there are various solutions that, that are coming up it's it's not the easiest thing and, and it, it is a nuisance if you do a lot of business abroad you know it's, it's a, 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 a it slows things down it, it adds extra unnecessary costs so yeah i can see that but my big problem with it is is the authoritarianism. The the it, if you have a national digital currency, that means that the government essentially, I'm a case of central bank, but that means the government really um, has knowledge of every move, every spit and dot that you do, uh, everything you earn. They know when you've earned it, how you've earned it, where you've earned it from. They can tax you at source. They can tax as much as they like when they like, and then they can tell you how and where to spend your money. Because one of the great things about crypto is, is the cleverness, the clever, the smart contracts, for example, that you can get on Ethereum. So, mm. And they can take a lot of these ideas, from, particularly from the Ethereum network, and bring it into national digital currencies. So, for example, they can, they can just disappear your money. Because with, with crypto, you can make all sorts of rules as to where, when, how you you spend your your ether or you know whatever the tokens are, and they they can do that with um, a digital currency that that is is a national one. They can say, oh yeah, you know that um, ten grand you've got in your bank account, yeah, you have to spend it in the next two weeks or it'll just disappear. And also, you're not you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to invest it in red meat. You have to invest in something vegetarian. Very so, very much so, absolutely. So that that would be obviously that's that's a. a a fear but it's not necessarily i mean let's let's hope that that never happens mm. but that's that in itself i'm just trying to think i mean i may not necessarily agree mm. with my counter argument but i i feel like yeah, i have to give yes. the other side of of like yes. okay that that's fair enough but um but if you are a law law abiding person and you and you know the, and let's say the government aren't really interested in where you spend your money and don't want to stop you um why would you be worried about it well, this this is, as you say, this is always the the counter argument, and, and I've ha had this conversation with friends about vaccine passports, for example, which are just really a backdoor to um, digital IDs. And uh, I've heard people say, "Well, I haven't got anything to hide. I don't care if people know what I'm doing." Well, I don't have anything to hide either. But that's not the point. The point is that it's you set up these structures that any bad actor and you know, there are a few bad actors around there or you know every era has just a few bad actors danny dyer i mean for god's sake <laughs> yes. any of them can just slip in and use it for their own uh, own ends and you know just just to give a, a current example all you need to do is point to china where you have people who who are, you know you have good people I, I, I remember seeing uh, an interview with a journalist who had um, exposed some actual murders being done um, in among parliamentarians and um, he had been then described as a criminal um, he couldn't he couldn't buy anything he was essentially under house arrest because he couldn't buy a ticket he wasn't allowed a passport um his friends couldn't see him because they would be tainted um you know this once you have this structure that potentially can control everything you do everything you wherever you go then all you need is is one bad person to take over you know stalinist russia nazi germany ccp pick your poison there are lots of examples of it just one person who can take it over and that's it you know they can they can rule 
a whole nation um, into the ground. When you look at your uh, your website, which I have to say is 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 fantastic, you've got um, you've got something that I think is is ultimately clickbait, not clickbait, but fantastically clickable. I should say, um, make quick money. What's the quickest money you've ever made? And 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 uh, tell us about that. Oh, good point. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's a it's a family show, Jasmine. So you know, just so, right. so give us all the details. <laughs> well, you know, the, I think that the quickest and the best money I'd ever made was in voiceovers. Um, there was there was one point where I I was um, in a voiceover agency. That was nice. It's it's very hard now to make good money out of voiceovers it because really? it's I... all gone. Glo- yeah, it's gone global now. Um, oh. You know, people. Of course, you don't need to be physically present anymore, do you? You can just do it, do it over, uh, do it over, uh, you know, digital um, uh, Skype or Zoom or whatever. But I heard exactly. like Chris Tarrant was making more money from his voiceovers than he was for being on whatever radio station he was on back in the day. It was like yes. phenomenally well paid. Oh, it was, and and still is. You know, it's if you're a, if you're a name and if you've got a very, um, you know, good voice. I'm just trying to think of. Um, Oh golly, the guy is a guy in Gavin and Stacey. Um, Bill, no, what's, I can't think of his name. Um, the one who's who's Stacey's uncle. I don't, um, I don't watch it. Sorry. Oh, yeah, he's. Um, so anyway, he he does voiceovers, and I I am sure he's paid really good money. So so if it's a recognisable voice, then yes, you can. But most of the others, it's it, the the. It's doggy doggy dog. Yes, but I was um, I was Bugs Bunny's mother. <laughs> oh, in a film! Fantastic. Yeah, well, I was. Yeah, I did a, a little advert for um, Sony PlayStation. Bugs, they did a Bugs Bunny version of uh, PlayStation. So I was Bugs Bunny's mother, and I said, "Oh, Doctor, I don't know what's wrong with him. He's growing ears and disappearing down holes." Fantastic. And, um, uh, that was a couple of grand. I think it was great. <laughs> can, can is, it, is it just me, or is uh, people getting strangely aroused at the thought of Bugs <laughs> Bugs Bunny's mother now? <laughs> Tim. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Down, boy. <laughs> have, you'd have to do a state of the markets uh, advert. That'd be fantastic, especially Bugs Bunny. Oh, Bugs Bunny money. X rated, certificate yes. 18 parental advisory. No, that, but it, <laughs> I think the skill there is just the way you just tap into it immediately. And that, that really must have taken a long time to learn. I don't, you know, I don't. It's one of those things, and, and it's usually boys that do this but it's one of those things that, that I did in the playground you know because um and, and this is one of the things with stand-up actually stand-up that the form is quite masculine um and th- this this is tough both for girls and for gentler men I would say um but one thing I that I did do in the playground was just do lots of accents just for the laugh, you know, just mm. for the fun of it. And, and um, I, I remember at, at uh, a big school, my friend Alex, she used to do um, a few voices as well. And we would, you know, we, we would just, just sit together doing just, just making up little sketches together. We, we didn't do the gags. And, you know, that's, that's what I think what quite a lot of boys are good at. That's the quick fire gags gag 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 and and they sort of grow up doing that um i i grew up um as i say i always loved comedy and i just loved doing doing voices i i love accents my my grandparents um were liverpudlian so you know that was the first accent i ever did 
Hey, hey, calm down, calm down. It's calm bad down, guy. calm down. They do, they don't, don't they do they? <laughs> it's a bit, you know, it's a bit a soggy end. Um, we had um, Auntie Bessie next door, and she'd call me Chuck and Love and Chicka Busy, and you'd have a chip butty, and it was great. You we know. got Scylla um, on. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's Scylla Black. Yeah, I grew up doing. Da 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 da. <laughs> yes. You thought you thought Jasmine Bertles, but tonight, <laughs> this is your life. <laughs> so no, that's, a, to... that's a reference that you know very few people are going to get. Yeah, yeah. Um, to get to, to go back to an earlier point, and without trying to sort of derail the whole the whole conversation, we've 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 we've, we've touched on on sort of the main topic du jour, but we haven't quite sort of delved deeper what do you honestly think is going on in the world at the moment if that's not too open-ended and and problematic a question to ask yeah i'm i'm gracious um i i do think as jennifer arcuri thinks that there is there is a plan that's being set up now i tend to be um, more of a cock-up theorist than a um, conspiracy, conspiracy theorist. theorist. However, yes, I, I do do feel that there has been an attempt at a plan. I do feel that, you know, any time groups, even small groups of people get together to try and make a plan to, you know, rule the world or whatever, it is doomed. I, I think you just, you just can't do it because you know, the world's too big. You've got too many different people, too many imponderables. You can try and make them do a certain something. And at the moment, you know, there's, there's a fair amount of success in it, but you can already see the cracks appearing. It, it's, I think it's not going to work because there are more and more people who are getting nervous and concerned about what seems to be um, various authoritarian moves happening and trying to be forced on us um, quite quickly. And people are beginning to realise that there's, there is an enormous amount of censorship. I don't think they realise how much censorship is mm. happening in, through big tech and through the mainstream media. Well, if, you, if, if your primary source is mainstream media, then by definition, you don't know what they're not telling you. True. True. But apparently now I am hearing there are rumblings um, that, uh, on various social media platforms that, hang on a sec, I, I heard that there's thousands and thousands of people marching and yet it's mm. why, why is it on the BBC? Why is that? And people are apparently complaining about um, um, Good Morning Britain, that, that they're like a mouthpiece for the government. And yeah, mm. I'd agree on that. Um, so some are. But having said that, there are still loads of people who are absolutely terrified um, of very little, in my opinion. Mm. But, you know, very absolutely. And they are believing everything. This is intelligent people. I'm finding so many of my university friends and people that I've known for years who are highly intelligent, absolutely 100% swallowing everything they they watch and, and read and these are people i think who are fundamental believers in in medicine as well and they cannot believe that these medical people are, are lying to them we've 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 met a couple of times over the last few months or so um offline if you like and the one thing i would suggest is and it's taken me some time to come to this suggestion but i would suggest that what we're now living through is ultimately and i i, I don't wish to sound overly 
either religious or spiritual, because I, I'm not sure to what extent I am either of those things. So I think I'm get, becoming increasingly spiritual as an individual. I would suggest we're, we're, that, that what is happening in the world is a climactic battle between good and evil. And I say that in a, with a completely straight face. Yeah, well, you're not the only one. Uh, I mean, one it, as as you know, Tim. I mean, I am I am a card carrying Christian. Always have been. I'm a I'm a church goer, um, which is you know something that people mostly laugh at uh, in in this time. But you know, tough. Um, and I have met a load of people on these on these marches and in discussions who have come to a similar conclusion and these are people on the whole who are not religious they're like like you know, I think it occurred to them really much in their lives and right now that's the way they feel and I've also been talking to I suppose more fundamentalist sort of evangelical Christians who who immediately start talking about revelation you know and all, all mm. um, the stuff there I I think we we are seeing a seismic shift in thought um across the globe and there's, there's a sort of an awakening it's it's i was just going to say that's the word i was going to use i was i was going to ask you whether you think that when on the one hand there is some form of a, an attempted great reset but on the other side uh, the complete polar opposite of that trend there is a great awakening going on that ultimately i i wonder whether it's actually going to be superior and more powerful than the reset well, it does feel like it i mean i i just saw an interesting stat um a couple of days ago um it was somebody had watched Del Bigtree's feed. Um, I, I'm I don't think I've seen him, but um, he got some um, a stat from some survey in America that said uh, a couple of years ago only one percent of Americans would self um, would would say that they were um, anti-vaxxers. Now it's forty percent, four zero, forty percent anti-vaxxers. When you think of the absolute stream of hatred that has come out of mainstream and big tech about anything even remotely anti-vax it's quite something that that has created actually um a, a determined increase in in that so if, you know with with that one element can you imagine what's happening in in other things you know huge numbers of people stopping watching um mainstream tv news mm. they're, they're stopping watching that they're going they're looking for alternative um, news sources, loads, I mean, millions of people looking for that. Um, so in, in all sorts of areas now, people are going, well, I don't like, I don't, I don't like being forced. It's a normal human reaction. Mm. I don't like being told what to think. I don't like being forced to do this, actually. You've got a lot of people who are like, oh, yes, you know, lock me down further. You know, just, just give me a furlough and I'll, I'll stay indoors, you know. But there are, there's a whole swathe of people who are doing exactly the opposite now. I don't know if I mentioned Paul, but I was it was at the um, the rally of a week or so ago in Trafalgar Square, and uh, the, the, I'd rather be on a march because the rally was, for my money, was was no great shakes, and I, I have some some doubt about the caliber of some of the speakers, but that's by the by. But anyhow, so I, I I'm I you'll know Alex, who's directed some of the videos that we've we've done together. Um, so I saw Alex going past, so I then sort of tagged along with him. And we ended up spending the afternoon in the pub. And uh, one of the the people who joined us was a, a client of ours, and he said that he in his his town village that there was at least one couple that had actually got divorced just over the issue of the vaccine. So if you thought that Brexit was the divisive, polarizing issue of our time, get a load of what the the vaccine's doing. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I've heard of I've heard of, but at least two couples have done the same, and and one of them 
it was because the the wife who was 100% pro vaccine got the children vaxxed mm. without telling the husband mm. Uh, um mm. yeah um do you think part of the problem with having a different opinion to the mainstream media is that there are also opinions that are so far out there that they all get kind of mixed up together and and therefore you can't have a proper conversation because mm-hmm. with 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 an emergency situation in commas as we've had potentially mm-hmm. um you you have to be on the one hand you do have to uh filter out nonsense you don't want people doing things that mm-hmm. are dangerous mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there are also people out there that take advantage of that ignorance oh, yeah. um and mm-hmm. and so there there's there's that side of it um but that, that all gets mixed into not being able to have a proper conversation. Yeah, it's it's a very good point, and and I think that it, much of of what we're dealing with at the moment is is the inability to have a proper conversation, as you mm. say. That it, it, there there aren't the platforms for actual open debate, um, and and this is what is being thrown at the mainstream media by by certain people saying, look. We just we want a debate. We're not saying that we're pro or anti, whatever. We would just like to hear both sides rather than just just one side. But it is a problem, I think. When I mean, I've I've got a friend. You were talking about the marches, Tim, and I've been in some of those. And I've got a friend who said, "Oh, you and the QAnon crowd, you're right." And then I'm like, "No, you know, you, you need to see the people. You've got people of all types, and yes, there probably are some QAnon people, and and I, I've seen a few." Uh, um, posters that I think, oh, I don't think I agree with that. Um, you've got all... But all human life is there, so what do you expect? It is, yes, exactly. And what what I have learned in, in recent months, boy, have I learned, I've learned so many different things. I've changed my views on so many things. Um, but I, I have learned that Actually, even even some of the people who at first I thought, oh, for goodness sake, you know, you are a loony. You listen to them and, and after a while you think, oh, actually, I agree with that. Oh, and I actually, yeah. But, so mixed in amongst the, some of the more out there stuff is some really sensible stuff. And, you know, we, we've certainly had this with, um, again, people in the mainstream or MPs saying, oh, that's just a conspiracy theory. And then a few months later, it becomes true, you know. Um, um, particularly with things like the Wuhan lab leak thing, which was absolutely stamped on, spat at, and, and laughed at for months, and then suddenly, oh yeah, no, that is probably the way it is. You know, yeah. um, my my so, my, so me- my is- media pick just for that, just to cut in there. Sorry, Jasmine mm, was um, no. was going to be um, z- z- at Zuby Music's uh, Twitter thread. Oh, for sure, and mm. and number eleven on that is uh, people who are dismissed as conspiracy theorists are often well-researched and simply ahead of the mainstream narrative, which I think says it yeah. all. Exactly. It does. Yes. I mean, we're, we're known as, uh, I say we, I, you see, that's the other thing. I am now proud, proud to be described as a conspiracy theorist mm. um, because uh, so often we, we're the ones who come out, as you say, with, with the facts just before everybody else. Somebody said, you know, what's, what's the difference between conspiracy theory and truth? six months. <laughs> <laughs> I've not heard that one. That's good. There's another, there's another great quote, which I think is sort of relevant, which is, um, it's amazing what can happen, what, what can be achieved if, if you don't care who takes the credit. And if, you, if you're able to basically put your ego or your reputation or whatever else to one side and just yeah. basically keep telling your, 
your perspective, state your truth for you know for want of a better phrase, then that's all you can do. What, what? And it, it may it may lead to all kinds of opprobrium, but I mean, from my perspective, that's all I know what to do. It's all I can do, and I I feel like I have a moral obligation to do that, even though in some respects it it's commercially damaging, and it's also led to problematic exchanges with with colleagues that I deeply value. Well, absolutely, and and this is something that I had to think about with Money Magpie because. It, from the start, I've I've tried to keep out of politics and whatever. When I say from the start, when I started it 10 years ago, but in the last 18 months, I thought, I can't keep quiet. I can't keep mm. quiet about this. You know, It's a bit, a bit like Brexit again. Well, yes, I guess it is in a way. Yes, it, it is. Yes. Although, you know, with Brexit, I, I tried to be as sort of even handed as possible with that. But but that's not, you know, affecting children's lives and affecting people's actual actual lives and there's just astounding levels of lying and just obvious untruths and obvious hypnosis it seems to me you know extraordinary stuff like everyone's under some kind of spell isn't it well to to that that point to that point Mm. you know we know that um you know we know that journalists have a desire to basically you know, however sketchy it might be, they want to get to the truth or some form of I, truth. I, I dispute that thesis well, now. Well, yeah, I'm sorry well, to be I, contentious, but I really dispute well, no, that no, thesis. No, 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 that's fine. Because I was, I was going to say, you know, to, to what extent? I mean, it's like, do they want to get to the truth or do they want to scoop on somebody and, and it will be their truth? I mean, there's got to be a certain amount of truth in it. Otherwise, the paper gets sued mm. or they or they will be sued. So so let's well, just say yes. you can't just print whatever the hell you want or make, make stuff up. So... For, the, for that, I mean, there's some great investigative journalists out there who we, mm-hmm. who we will are, are, respect. Are there? Well, well, yeah, there well, are a few. No, well, this, few. this is the yeah. point I'm trying to make, Tim. Where are they? Mm-hmm. You know, and why yeah. aren't they doing well, their job? This, the, there's, there's all sorts of issues here. So you've got, yes, you, you do have really, really good journalists. And, and you know, there are journalists who have broken stories that nobody else, that the police wouldn't look at, etc. And, you know, as I say, I'm on a, a, a WhatsApp group of disaffected journalists. There's there's a, um, a group called um, Holding the Line. Um, and recently, there are about 30 of those. And recently, they made a statement saying that, that there's, there's a whole load of bad stuff going on. Das Bild in Germany recently did a, a video saying, we're really sorry. Mea culpa. We, yeah, mea culpa, actually. Sorry for everything that we've done. Really? But, but yeah, but what you also, oh, wow. the big thing that you have is money. So, um, as you know, with, with um, lockdown, um, loads and loads of advertising was pulled from the newspapers and everything. And the government gave millions, millions to newspapers, TV, radio in advertising, pro, you know, pushing the whole COVID narrative. And of course, you know, the, the newspaper editors are not going to go against that because that right. is that's their lifeline. That's their lifeblood. So you do have journalists within, and when I say journalists, I'm talking about sort of health editors, news editors, politics editors who are going, but, but this is, but, and, and they're just going, no, no, you've got to say this. Now, they have a choice. They, they either just go, well, up yours then. I'm, I'm going away and I'm, I'm not going to, to do that. One or two have done, well, very few actually have done that. Most of them are like, all right, then I'm not happy about this, but I want to keep my job. I've got a family. Um, I'm going to have to do this. You already, you already, you have journalists, for example, who you've got left-wing journalists who work on the, the Mail on Sunday. You've got right-wing journalists who, who work on the Mirror. Um, so already journalists are 
compromised in many, many cases. They're very, very underpaid. Journalism has not in, increased in, in uh, pay for about 20, 30 years, I would say. It's, um, it, you know, it's something that people enjoy doing. They, they like it, but it's highly, highly compromised. It, see, it seems to me that, that COVID is going to end up being the last nail in the coffin for the mainstream media, that this is this is where it goes. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not being flippant here, but I'm, I'm sort of being semi-flippant because you, you may remember Viz magazine, Viz Viz comic. Oh, yes. And there's a there was a there was a, a strip called the Fat Slags. Oh. And the Fat Slags and the Fat Slags would do it for a bag of chips. Well, I'm saying that any any journalist now will do it for a bag of chips. And it's, what it we're, we're, is, I'd rather not think. Well, it's a bit more yeah. nuanced than that, isn't it? To be fair, I mean, if if someone's got a family and kids and and they've got to decide whether you know they go out on their own or they tow the line, it's it's not. It's not a. It's. It's not just like. It's not an I'm easy. Mind, I'm minded to recall something I saw. It feels like God. I, I can no longer assess time because times. Time has been warped by you know eighteen months too. plus it's of really lockdown. Yeah. But yeah. but I think it's probably two to three years ago, and it was a it was a BBC probably BBC two documentary about the New York Times. And it was basically the New York Times having a go at Trump. And what I remember from that was basically a bunch of wankers at the New York Times saying, well, here's what we'd like to print. And we actually don't even care if there's any evidence for it or not. We're going to print it anyway. And if we can get evidence, so much the better. That's that's how I recall it. And it was basically just the most disgusting. I mean, for, for someone who was raised on things like, you know, all the president's men and you know the whole Watergate thing, it was such a disgusting... Uh, words words fail me in in terms of trying to assess my contempt for what was going on. It was quite clearly a just completely politically biased, slanderous attack on this guy. Now, whether you like or hate Trump, there ought to be certain standards in the journalistic profession. But those standards were completely destroyed at the New York Times, and I don't think that 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 newspaper is ever going to recover. And frankly, I don't care because uh, in terms of my consumption of media now, it barely exists. My consumption of media now is driven by individuals that I follow on Twitter and not much else. Mm, well, understandably, and I think a lot of people are doing that. And a lot of people also are moving to alternatives like UK Column, uh, Hugo Talks. Conservative Woman's been particularly good in in being in in in, in taking you know the the, the light of, of the light of truth to uh, shady corners in the Conservative Party. Oh, absolutely. It really has. Actually, one thing, though, um, that I, I had forgot to mention is that there, there are quite a lot of journalists who 100% believe the narrative as well. You know, um, I mean, I spoke to a friend of mine on The Mirror who was absolutely furious at me for not taking it all seriously. He said, I've had COVID. I've got long COVID. It's a terrible thing. You you just um, are an anti-vaxxer. You don't know. And, you know, I do. I know people on LBC, some of the presenters who 100% believe it is as well so to be fair <clears throat> you do have people who who do actually believe it and they believe all of this that like many of my highly intelligent friends who bought the whole narrative they they have as well i don't know how that's happened honestly because when you're a journalist you you should be reading around you should be looking at both sides but they i think they've lost the ability to do that but it's a, it's a bit like it's a bit like you know the, the the comedy to go back to the comedy um spectrum it's a bit like you know new new wave or whatever comedy which is like well it's it's all the same it's it's one narrative it's not funny nobody cares it's dying on its ass please go away it's like 
you would think it's a woke narrative and I'm not interested. And I'm sure most people, if they honestly express an opinion, would say we don't care either. So it's all very well put it, pushing out a narrative, but, but not you know, the whole point about comedy is supposed to make people laugh. If it doesn't achieve that objective, then it's failing on, on its core objective. Yes, I, I would get nowhere nowadays in, in the stand-up um, arena, which is why, you know, the, the trigonometry boys um, set up their thing um, on YouTube because they, they were just appalled at being given a list of things, of subjects that they were not to cover, that they were mm. not to, to... That's Constantine Kissin, isn't it, who, who was the first to refuse the, uh, the diktat. Yes, absolutely. And, and you know, he's got a, a, a background. He was brought up in, um, in Eastern Europe, so he, <laughs> he knows about diktats and everything. Mm. And yeah, I do think that, you know, much of what we're going through at the moment has been enabled, ushered in by the, the woke culture. Um, I'm very, very against um, wokery. I think it's the, well, I'm, I live near Nick Cave and, and he says, um, he, 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 has been studying the Bible, interestingly, and he says that he feels that woke culture has all the worst aspects of religion with with none of the redemption. Um, and I, I think we are seeing much of the result of, of this, this nasty culture, which cancels everything that, that isn't within its own remit. Amid, amid all this chaos, you, would you say you're optimistic, pessimistic, neutral? I'm always optimistic. I, I can't help myself. Um, I just, I just am. Uh, I don't think that this is going to be a quick fight. Um, and I, because we're we're talking about huge institutions crumbling, and that can take a while and could be quite. Un- but 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 that said, sorry to cut in, but that said, I'm I'm reminded of the fact that when the Berlin Wall fell, it fell like overnight, and when the Soviet Union fell, it fell overnight. So although it had been this seemingly um, a monolithic Leviathan state. The reality was that when the rot set in, it came down awfully quickly. Exactly. Yeah, I, I agree. And and this is what we have to keep in mind, that it may seem impossible, you know, chipping away and chipping away, but suddenly it, it'll break and it'll, it'll have to be a mental break, but, you know, a, 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 an awakening where a load of people go, what the heck? What? What? What have I been doing? Huh? Huh? That's what I'm waiting for. With regard to um, people who've, who there are people who've had COVID though, who have had bad mm-hmm. reactions mm-hmm. to it, and this, yes, this seems to be the problem that there are some people where it just doesn't affect, and there's some people who become very ill. And it's almost, it's almost like it was flu. Yeah, no, no, but I mean. <laughs> Yeah, but there are there are still there are still cases of people who have become very ill with it, which we can't. Yes, you can't. You know, you can't deny. You absolutely. can't deny that. Absolutely. And it's it's like. But it, it's what you were saying earlier about you know statistics, etc. Um, we, the the problem that we have now, and historians in the future will have a problem with the fact that our statistics are completely messed up. Um, so I mean, I certainly there there are people who've who've had problems. Um, I heard of somebody perfectly you know healthy and everything who who died over a weekend having had covid come out of it and uh, then he was in hospital and, and that was it now the question the friend of mine who was telling me about it the question is was it covid or or was it the medicine that he was getting or you know and and at the, at the start i think people were killed by the um respiratory um gizmos that they were given that, that was actually what killed them and this is 
this is the question we don't know because they've just called everything covid we don't and the, me- the medical profession has covered itself in complete disglory over this so some some people really should be ashamed of what they've done over the last two years. Yes, absolutely. Because I mean, and I think at the start, I mean, Dr. Peter McCullough says that you know at the start clearly this was something quite nasty, and then it it weakened and it weakened. And so you know what what's going around is it, you know, since then is is as you say basically flu. Um, and and we we just we do not know. Some people have had something very unpleasant. Other people have been killed off by medicine or other procedures other people it was nothing whatsoever to do with any of it you know they'd been in a car accident so so um looking at your um back back to your your website because i'm absolutely obsessed by it now um oh good yeah i I think i think it's i think it's fantastic so um so make make i don't know why i keep going to the make quick money part of it um because who doesn't want to do that so you've got make money as a life model and uh yes i could what you think i could i'm not sure i could do that um anybody can anybody can yes Okay. Yes, anybody can be a lot. If you can still, well, I couldn't because I'm very bad at saying still. And I just, uh, even my face moves, apparently. I, you know, I keep thinking. <laughs> so I do start thinking of jokes and then you start laughing and then that's it. They, yes, the drawings are messed exactly. up. Yes. Uh, but what I have done, because um, some of these are based on what I've done and my friends have done, you know, because I have a lot, lots of friends who are writers, comedians, actors, and they've all got what we call a wrinkle, you know, a little wrinkle, got a little wrinkle on the side, something makes them money. Um, and oh, one I thing like I've done is being a walk-on. Yes, I've been a walk-on um, artist. Loved that. I mean, I, every time I talk about, you know, it's just great because you, you get paid about £100 a day, you get fed fantastic food. I mean, film food is wonderful. And half the time, do nothing, just sit there reading a book you know it's a brilliant way to make money i think <laughs> yeah so um so that's that's that one have a tech spring clean blimey i could do that i've mm-hmm. got loads of tech i could probably get rid of um the yeah. 50ps one is great because like there are some very valuable 50ps and and some of them aren't that old either some of the olympic ones yes from 2012 mm-hmm. are like worth a lot of money absolutely yes and the beatrix potter ones oh there's all sorts there yes yeah, and then you've got um, teach online classes to make money from home. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Now, I, I haven't clicked on this one yet, but you've got to tell me what's in these seven crazy money-making schemes that could actually work. Oh, <laughs> could be all <laughs> sorts of things. Yeah, I, 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 I don't click it. Other ones that are weird are selling your hair. Okay. Um, if you've got long enough hair, that's good. Being um, a professional mourner. But oh, wow. that is a real thing. It helps if it helps if you can ululate. It helps if you can ululate properly. Ululate, <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> Absolutely. We've got all sorts. Another very popular one is dog walking. You know, I mean, I oh, do yeah. that. I love dogs. I love dogs. I mean, what you know, what's not apart from picking up poo? What's not to like? I think fifteen pounds per dog per hour. Not yeah. bad. Yeah, not yeah. bad. You've got four dogs, you know, pretty good. Um, I, I, another one that I used to do, and I'm, I'm a big fan of, is focus groups, because that's mostly, well, before back in the time when we could meet up, that was sort of actual cash in hand, and you, you sit there for a couple of hours. Again, you get fed, fed and watered, and you just give your opinions on things, and I have a lot of opinions on a lot of things, so um, you know, they they just go, oh, you know, this time we're talking about hot water bottles. What, what do you think about this one? You know, 
great. You get 50 to 100 quid cash cash in hand. Nice. <laughs> so do you, do you now, because you've been established for so long, do you get people sending mm. you things in and saying, oh, could you feature this on your on your website as, as ideas? Because it must take a long time to research this stuff. What we often get, and as I say, I'm a big fan of crypto. I, I invest in it. But we every day we get companies, supposedly companies, going, oh, yeah, we want to buy advertising for our new crypto. And you look at it and you think, that's just lies. It's just mm. lies and deceit. Similarly, Forex. I always think, oh, God, it's Forex. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, there's there's real crypto, there's real Forex. Yeah. But it, there's such a lot of dodgy stuff out there. So that's that, that's the, the headache that we have um, from people sending us stuff, yeah. <laughs> I, I love this one. Get paid £1,000 to eat ice cream. Come on. That's like... Yeah. It's sugar-free ice cream. That's As, the as well. Oh, my God. So it's good for you. That's just incredible. <laughs> Apparently. So, the question is the taste. So you've mm. got, like, how to make money, and you've also, in exactly the same place that you'd, you'd want, like having a, a curry house opposite a pub, You've got how to manage your money. So a great way to manage your money, obviously you could give it to Tim, that would be a great way to manage it. But there's also ways to manage your money. So you must have, like, in, in, in your journey of learning about how to make it, you must have, you must have learned so much in, in trying to help other people by uncovering better ways to, to, to look after it. What, what would you say is the, the most important aspect of managing money? Well, you know, I, I do I do webinars, I do um, workshops on how to, well, I call it how to be rich without really trying. Um, and in those, I say, look, I could put the secret to being rich or being, you know, well off ultimately into one sentence. And that is spend less than you earn and invest the rest. Mm. And just doing that. That's all you have to do. All you have to, it's not hard it's it's a bit like losing weight isn't it it's like like eat, consume fewer calories than you need and burn off the surplus exactly it, it's exactly and i often do mention you know that managing money is like managing your food you know you don't have to be a, a qualified financial advisor to do it just as you don't have to be a, a qualified nutritionist to, to eat healthily you just you need a bit of knowledge set up some healthy habits and sort of you know check it every couple of years just make sure you're not eating too many cream cakes and you know now now would be a bad time to reveal that our, our forthcoming sponsor is going to be german doner kebab oh yes <laughs> <laughs> excellent <laughs> but you you mentioned at the top of the show about credit cards and how mm. people don't you know a simple concept like credit cards and people people weren't taught about them and don't really understand yeah. them. I, I remember a few years back, I was uh, in America watching um, in a hotel room. I had Bloomberg television on, and there was a, a section on that where they do something called a money makeover. And um, mm -hmm. and 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 this 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 person came on, and they said, um, "Oh, look, I've got I've got about." And this was, I mean, we're talking like two thousand and four, something like that. Mm. And this person came on and said, "Well, I've got about fifty thousand pounds worth of debt." And oh, then and yes. and the person said. The, the, you know, the, the money makeover experts said, mm. well, is that credit card debt? And I thought, don't be so bloody stupid. Credit card debt, 50 grand. <laughs> and they said, yes. And I was like, mm. what? You know, yeah. you know, so, but what we, what we've learned yeah. from like American uh, culture is that having lots of credit cards is almost like part of their culture. And mm. I mean, not, not everyone, of course, I know I'm making a big generalization here, um, but putting things on on tick and and if you run out of money you know don't worry just get another card and 
And and that sort of borrowing is ultimately what sinks you because it's 20, 30 yeah. percent. It is. It is, isn't it? And, and the, the other thing is the terminology, because, you know, you say borrow. Now, if if, if I asked you to borrow your pen, I wouldn't then expect you to go, yeah, that'll be a fiver, thanks. Whereas when, when it comes to money, they, they call it borrowing. Well, it's not. It's renting. Or at the right level, or the rather wrong level, it's usury. There's, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the gentleman by the name of Simon Parks, but there's, um, this was intriguing. Simon Parks, P-A-R-K-E-S dot org. Um, July 25th, had your credit card bill yet? Um had a letter from your credit card company recently from 15th October. So I'm merely passing this on. I'm not saying it's valid or not or anything. I'm just passing it on. So please don't shoot the messenger. Had a letter from your credit card company recently from 15th October. Credit card companies will move the interest rate away from the standard 17 and to 22.5% to bank base rate, which will be about 1%. Mm-hmm. The good guys financial reset is here. Not conspiracy theories. It's in the mainstream. Just read, I'm quoting from the, this, this blog post, just read what you get when your credit card company writes to you, only they don't make a song and dance because it's not their initiative and they offer no reason why they are doing it. It sa- sounds, mm. sa- sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? It sounds too good to be true. It sounds like, if I'm allowed to say it, it sounds like Nisara Jasara, but uh, I, I wouldn't want to rouse Paul's hackles any further than they've already been roused. <laughs> you're not, not going to rouse, rouse my hackles at all. I don't, I don't mind having a conversation about any anything to mm. do with anything really as long as we can discuss it yeah yes yes but just weird things weird things happening it's like a what is it i think it's something from life of brian weird things will happen and people will talk about strange things that will happen you know but but, but there's something be... odd is going on out there but there let's is. extrapolate that out tim if that does happen that's a really bad outcome for the banks why would that I'm not okay, saying it's not so, going to happen, but why, okay, why would it Okay, so happen? if you like that, then I'll add the one from six days ago, which is Tesco closing bank accounts. Well, yes, mm-hmm. there is that. And As there, part and of the realisation among banks, there is no longer to be massive profits made at the expense of people. Tesco in the UK has announced it's getting out of banking with the closure of over 200,000 accounts. Yeah. By doing this, by November 2021, Tesco hoped to get out before the interest rates are cut. I'm just, these are all straws in the wind, but I'm Wells just, Fargo. just wondering what's going on. Wells, and the, well, Wells Fargo, we talked about uh, before. Hmm. But 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 why? But why why? So so you're saying, but what? So the governments are going to say you cannot charge twenty two percent. I don't. On these credit I, cards. I, I honestly don't know where this is coming from. I don't know what the source is. Uh, this is all coming as as clear. It's coming out of a clear blue sky. But yeah. if it does turn out to be true, it's 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 great news. But it, it's well, it, it does connect. Sorry, um, Paul. I just sorry. connect a bit like with what Jennifer Arcuri said in in the interview um, on my website, where she's saying, "Take your money out of the banks. Take your money out of the banks now. Stick it in gold. Stick it in crypto because um, it, you know fiat money is is going to collapse. Maybe it's connected to that. If that's true." Yeah, yeah, it, c- it could be, could be. Um, I, it's a bit like you know, you were saying like um, GMB being a mouthpiece for the government and mm. certain media organisations. You, you explain that extremely well by saying that they've just chucked a load of advertising dollars at all these companies, mm. so they're not going to mm. be be saying anything against them. But surely there's also a a kind of um, there's value in telling the other side of the story, and you you could become you could create a lot of you know say personal kind of um, professional gain by by breaking mm-hmm. a big story that nobody yeah. else has got and you know what it's yes. like once the story's broken and people get behind it then it mm. it will it will rip through so 
I'm but also, also, also all, the, all the people who report it then have to give credit to the person who first broke it. And it's, it's a bit like big well, tech. Big tech is, is um, we know they're censoring and they're censoring partly on the, on the, for the reason that there is so much information out there that it's impossible to kind of have a human being look at everything that's, that's put out there. But also there seems to be some sort of agenda as well. So whether it's by accident or by design, it's definitely happening and there's definitely people scratching their heads. But what upsets me about the, the you know, certainly the UK media is that they seem to feel as though they're powerless against it. And they, if they were to stand up against these, you know, big tech companies and and not have their stories be you know aggregated and sold on via their own websites and if you could just go to the news websites perhaps they they wouldn't have to you know censor what they're saying so much it doesn't it doesn't you know why don't they call this stuff out it just doesn't make any sense well so much doesn't make any sense i agree i mean you could while you're speaking i was thinking thinking of those um is it three African leaders and the Haiti leader who've been killed so far, all the ones that stood against the vaccine? Um, you know, it could be a coincidence, absolutely could be a coincidence, but I think that might be in the back of some people's mm. minds. You know, should I stand up against this? Would I, you know, how, what would the retribution be? I don't know. Might yeah. be. Tim may have mentioned this to you before, but our Media Picks Round is basically anything that you've read, seen or consumed that you think is absolutely brilliant or or on the other side really bad and not worth looking at. So um, so it could be a book, a film. It doesn't have to be financially related, although it can be. It could be a podcast, whatever you like. And um, we like to just share these things because it's, it's kind of fun and guests come out with some great stuff. We'll start with Tim. So Tim, what's yours? Um, I think the one I probably have to, have to go with is um, my better half suggested that we watch a film that we've um, seen before, um, though I must admit I've I've forgotten most of it. And it's uh, Gone Baby Gone, which we were watching a couple of uh, nights ago. Uh, have you seen it, Paul? I haven't. No. No. Okay. In which case, I'd say uh, Gone Baby Gone is uh, basically sort of gritty, blue collar uh, crime thriller directed by Ben Affleck. Um, starring his brother, I think, um, Casey Affleck, uh, Michelle Monaghan, Morgan Freeman, Ed Howe. He's got a great cast, Amy Ryan. Um, basically, it, it starts with uh, a small girl being kidnapped, and then it just, it, it, it sort of, it's a bit like The Wire in that it, it takes in a lot, a lot more than just the sort of the initial, you know, where, where it starts. It's, it's a much more sort of engrossing, almost Dickensian thing about sort of, sort of the wider culture, society at large. Suffice to say, I'm not going to go into the plot because I always give give plot details away. <laughs> it's uh, the butler did it, um, but 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 it, it's it's absolutely superb uh, crime thriller. I'd forgotten how good it was, so I was happy to watch it again. Lots of twists, lots of turns. Great cast, great writing. It's it's the perfect film, basically. It's Gone Baby Gone, 2007 crime thriller, directed by Ben Affleck, starring his his brother, I think, Casey Affleck. Uh, if you haven't seen it, just watch it because it's just oh, superb. Cool. Yeah, brilliant. And um, Jasmine, what's yours? Well, um, I've got a couple of things. One, one very serious, one not. Um, I, I'm a huge fan um, of the book On Tyranny by Timothy Snyder. I don't know if you've read it. Um, it's, uh, one of the great things about it is that it's short. It's a short book. So short books are good. But it's, it's um, On Tyranny, 20 lessons from the 20th century. And it it goes through the various ways in which tyrants uh, dictatorships have have happened and how 
how we can prevent it, how we as individuals can prevent it. And I, I do recommend everybody. I gave it, it was one of those books I gave to everybody for Christmas. You know, I said, like, read that, read that. It's only short. It's good. It's good. Um, and um, on the on the fun side, um, I'm I'm a big fan of children children's films, children's um, books. Ch- I'm I'm in going in, back into my childhood at the moment. I, th- I think it's the time. Right. I think a lot of I think a lot of people are retreating back into the past for some degree of comfort. I know I am. I Shrek a is, of my Shrek is a great one. Past. Oh, Shrek's wonderful. And uh, the latest one that I saw, I, I go on to Netflix Children trying to find something that's bearable. Um, a, lot of, a lot of stuff is just not. But um, I saw Storks, which was hilarious. It's got Andy Samberg in. I'm a big fan of um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, oh, which uh, yes, superb, features superb, Andy Samberg. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those fun cartoons, but it's got a lot of good lines and very fast, funny, like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, you know. So um, it's, it's a bit of... Yeah, nine. Yeah, it's the nine, nine. Yeah, you'd enjoy it. It's just a bit of escapism. It's fun. Have you seen Paddington 2? Oh, I love Paddington. I've seen it so many times. Paddington oh, 2 is Paddington just brilliant. Two. It's brilliant. Oh, fabulous. It's absolutely fabulous. Superb <laughs> screenplay. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so mine for this week has got to be a book by a fantastic author that you may not have heard of, um, but... Well, you will have now. Her name's Jasmine, Bur- Jasmine Bertel. And it's the little <laughs> bit of a book of excuses, which I think is oh, yes. which I think is a great title for a book. So my my excuse is I don't have a um, a media pick, but I do because it's the little book of excuses. So I'm gonna put a link to that. Flattery will get you everywhere, Paul. It's, indeed. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is actually one of my favorites. I was quite pleased about that one. <laughs> I, I mean, you've just got it. I obviously I just looked it up now, right? But it is <laughs> But don't don't let sunlight in on magic, Paul. <laughs> Oops, I'll edit that out. Uh, no, I bought it before and I've read it and it's great. No, but it, what a superb title for an idea for a book. So I'm definitely buying that. So I am I am in toilets across the nation, you know. I, yeah. Well, literally or, or, or well, quite. Literally. How much does that pay? <laughs> To a toilet, I, I'm in people's spare toilets all over the world. Like, I have people going, my 12-year-old loves your book of, you know, I'll go, which one? You know, um, I mean, there's, there's one that I did, you'll, I'm sure you see it in the list, called um, uh, Do You Miss Your Ex-Husband? Yes, But My Aim Is Improving. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love jokes like that. I'm, try, I'm trying to think if there's a country one, which is my, my wife left you for my best friend and I sure do miss him. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Oh, super. Um, Jasmine, thank you so much for coming on the show. As you probably worked out, it's been an absolute pleasure. We've really enjoyed it. And um, we'd love to have you back. So please say you will come back. Before you go, where can people find you? Are you Twittering? Toilets throughout the nation. (laughs) Toilets throughout the nation. (laughs) Yes, I'm on Twitter. I'm actually at Jasmine, early adopters. See, Jasmine on Twitter. Jasmine with an E. That's me. Um, I'm on Instagram as Jasmine Bertels. Not quite so early adopter on that one. And um, Facebook, my team run my Facebook page on uh, Jasmine Bertels on Facebook. Yeah. What, what, what have you got coming up? What, um, what, have you got any big projects coming up? Any more books? Well, 
Yeah, no, I, you know, I keep thinking about, I have an idea for a book, but I'm so busy with other stuff, you know, books, books take a while to do. Um, so um, what I've got, I've got some webinars coming up. I'm, I do one a month. I've got one on, on investing in crypto this month, next month. I think it's investing for income. They cost £11.99, cheap at half the price, I tell you. So um, those are just um, Zoom webinars. Um, and so those those are some of the big things. I've, I've got some of my podcasts. Mr. Tim has been on one of my podcasts. So I've actually got Nick Hubble. Um, I interviewed him from Fortune and Freedom. He's a very, very bright guy. We're talking Nick's, about... Nick's Good, Nick's good guy. Nick's good guy. He, he really is. I'm so impressed by by just his breadth of knowledge. And we talk. We're talking about that that lovely subject, inflation, for the next podcast. So, um, uh, covering all different types, all the different colours and flavours of inflation that you can get. Fun, fun, fun. Um, so yeah, that and um, uh, running running my site. Those are my big projects at the moment. Wow, <laughs> very busy. Fantastic. Well, look. Yeah. Thank you for making the time to come on the show. And thank you. We look forward to having you back whenever you want to come on. So thanks. Again. Thank you. Thanks, Jasmine. All the best. Love it. Thank you. Take Bye. care. Bye-bye. Bye. And thank you so much for listening. And we'll catch you next time. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Please do your own research or contact a professional advisor.